Thank you. It is good to be back. I was, uh, I was thinking on the way in this morning, I'm either going to have this really sexy radio voice that I've always wanted with the cold that I've got, or I'm going to sound like I'm going through puberty a second time. And so when <laughs> it's probably going to be the latter, which might be a little bit fun. But uh, anyways, I'm grateful to be here. And uh, actually, I was as I was uh, preparing for today, and uh, thanks just for introducing us, I just thought I'd show a couple of pictures from the past, maybe... Um, if we can look at the next one. So that was back, that was us back in 94 when we were uh, married as part of this church. And a few years after, those are our boys, uh, Joshua on the right and Ethan on the left. And then, uh, and this is uh, closer to the present day where we were uh, celebrating Ethan's graduation. And, um, and I got to play some basketball with my boys. That was uh, something that we really enjoyed together as a family. And uh, and I want to start by just kind of telling a story back in, uh, so that's uh, that's me in grade eight or nine, I th- yeah, I think grade nine, and uh, a part of the EJ Dunn Junior Boys basketball team. And uh, uh, there was one time where we were actually in Nanaimo uh, for a basketball tournament, and we were playing in the final on Saturday afternoon, which was pretty exciting. And uh, and I was a pesky, mouthy, kind of in-your-head kind of guy when I played. So as you can see, maybe we'll just go back to the other picture, uh, the previous one there. Uh, as you can see, I wasn't all that uh, large. And uh, so, so I had to do something to get into the head of the opponent, and that was with my mouth. And uh, <laughs> so, so, I was, uh, so we were playing, and it was a really close game. And uh, I'm getting into head of this big guy, chatting him up. I had a bit of a, I think I had a steal, and he's starting to get really frustrated and angry with me. And um, I have to know something about Barsby. Barsby's in the south of Nanaimo. It's in Harewood. Uh, the people in Nanaimo uh, affectionately call it Scarewood at different times. And uh, and the boys in the ba- in that school they have a BC championship legacy when it comes to football. And so, so if you can think of football player and me, then you will see that I was both excited and extremely scared. I was excited because here I am, this shrimpy little guy getting into the head of this really big guy, and we're starting to win the game, and that's really fun. I'm really scared because at any moment he could squash me. So, uh, so I actually, in the timeout, just near the end of the game, I say to the guys, "You guys got to watch out for me." And I, and in particular, when we, you know, we did our three cheers and we went to shake the hands of the other team. Uh, the two guys in the middle, Eric and Brent, I inserted myself into in between them as we went to shake hands so just to make sure I was okay. And I made sure they hung out with me when I was getting changed in the change room because I did not want to get squashed <laughs> by this guy. And so for me, that, little, that place between Eric and Brent was my place of safety, my place of refuge uh, in that moment anyways. And, uh, and I think, you know, for all of us, we have at different times a need for a safe place, a place of refuge. Uh, maybe it's in a game or just, a, you know, like that or a game of, of tag or something like that. Uh, maybe for some of us, it's, it's our home. It's that place where we can be safe or there's a certain relationship with somebody else that we know we can just be fully ourselves. And for the good and the bad, welcomed and cared for. Uh, maybe it's this church. I know for many it has been for us at different times, and I'm sure it's been for many of you. It's a place of refuge where you can come and just be known and cared for, warts and all, which is a beautiful thing. And 
And uh, one of the groups that we've partnered with in Nanaimo is called University Christian Ministries. It's a, it's a group that uh, serves university students at Vancouver Island University. And, uh, and we've had the opportunity just to, to come alongside them. We host their leadership team once a month for dinner so that they can kind of do the planning and preparations that they need to do. Uh, myself and uh, Grant and Chloe Bernard and one or two others try to, to get to their meetings every Thursday. Uh, just to participate, to encourage uh, young people, make connections with young people there and, and in prayer. And uh, at UCM, uh, we've been going through the book of Joshua, and so that's where I want to, uh, to go today as well. Um, and uh, we're at the part of the book of Joshua at UCM where God has given the Israelites the promised land. And it's a promise that he made to Abraham long, long ago, hundreds and hundreds of years prior to to the fruition of that promise uh, coming to be. And it was just a reminder to me that God is faithful to fulfill his promises. It's just not necessarily always instantaneously. I left my phone in my bag, but uh, many of us will know with our smartphones or maybe just with our iPads and and other devices that we can immediately kind of change our context, at least in our mind, just with a swipe of a thumb. I can be in Africa. I can be in Montreal, I can be at home, I, I, you know, it's just instantaneous. And, and I, it was just a reminder to me, even as before we get into the, the story in chapter 20, that, that as the people of Israel come into the promised land, that there are hundreds of years between the promise and the fruition. And, um, and we think about Abraham, and I know the Bible actually speaks about Abraham, and uh, I believe it's in Hebrews 11 or 12, where it talks about what we often call the heroes of faith. And it's just a reminder, again, to me that what God is really asking of any one of us, I know we all would love to be heroes of the faith. I want to be a hero of faith in in whatever way I can be. Um, But oftentimes being a hero of faith is actually just being obedient in the present with the thing that you've been given. And, And it might not be that as Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and other generations after him, they didn't get to see the promised land or at least to live in it in fullness and in freedom. Uh, but they uh, obeyed God in the small steps that they had to make at the time that they lived. And in doing that, they enabled the, f- the promise to be fulfilled in the future. So I just encourage us. Uh, I know that God has made uh, many promises probably to, uh, to us as a congregation, but also to us as individuals. And just to live into the promise with an obedience in the present. Because whether we see it, or maybe a future generation sees that God will be faithful to fulfill that promise. And so, um, as we get into, into the book of Joshua, we come to ch- chapter 20. And God is instructing Joshua to designate uh, six cities as cities of refuge. And I just want to explain that, and then we'll look at it together a little bit. But um, in that culture, if... Um, if, Michael, if I came up to one of Michael's sons and uh, Michael's son and I, we were working on something and something goes wrong and his son is killed. Uh, Michael could potentially be, now this isn't his character and this isn't what he would do, but if he would live back then, <laughs> he may very well have come after me as the avenger of blood. In other words, when a life was taken, a life would also, like if I took a life, then my life would be taken. And, and God was saying in these cities of refuge that if that happened accidentally, I didn't intend his son any harm. 
But Michael kind of hears about it. He's like, he took my son's life. I'm going to go after him. Um, God provided these places, these cities of refuge where your story could be heard, where it could be established by two or three witnesses, and that you would find safety and protection. Your life would be spared. You would find mercy. And I want to look at that uh, together this morning because I think it's a, it's a beautiful picture of what we are meant to be as, as God's people. And so in Joshua chapter 20, we can see it up on the screen. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses, so that anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally may flee there and may find protection from the avenger of blood. So they set apart six cities, three in the west and three in the east. And any of the Israelites or any alien living among them who killed someone accidentally could flee to these designated cities and not be killed by the avenger of blood prior to standing trial before the assembly. So this is a picture of uh, the, the land of Israel, the, the promised land as they entered it. And in the middle of each of those circles is one of the cities of refuge. And one of the things that I find uh, really fascinating and encouraging is like if you, I don't know if you can see it, but down the middle is actually the Jordan River. And so there are three cities to the west and three cities to the east. And they're not entirely um, equidistant from each other. But if you see that, that actually they're scattered, the circle represents a one day's journey to that city. And so pretty much anybody in the land of Israel, whether a Jew or an alien, uh, was within one to two days of being able to get to that place. Because what good is a city of refuge if you can't get there? Right? But God des- designates these six cities. And I think it's a picture of how um, God's mercy and his grace is accessible and to all equally, in the sense that, that wherever we are, that the distance is not so far that we can't actually get there. And I'm surprised that uh, so often in various conversations that I have with people, um, particularly as we're branching out into, into new territory in Nanaimo, and uh, actually it was just a conversation a couple of weeks ago where a fellow heard about the work that I do at the food bank. That's where I was having a conversation with him. But he said, so what, do, what do you do? Because he knows I, doesn't, I don't do that full time. And so I'm talking about the church. He says, oh, yeah, I can't come to church. I'm, you know, me and God, we're a little too, you know, that's not going to work out. I'm a little too bad. Like, that's kind of the sentiment of the conversation as he was seeing it. And I just said, you know, God, uh, God's never too far from any one of us. That's what the book of Acts says, that he's... And we've sung so much about his presence. And I think this is a physical representation of the accessibility of God's mercy for each one of us. None of us is ever too far. There is movement required. But none of us is ever too far. That's a beautiful thing for me. And it's open to all. It's not just open to the Jews, but as we read in that last part of that verse, that it's actually open to the foreigners among them. And I think sometimes, you know, Christianity gets... Uh, a ba- bit of a bad rap for being an exclusive religion in the sense that we say that Jesus is the way to the Father. And, and you know, it's actually, it's always been that way. Um, in the book of Genesis chapter 12, it says that, that God chose Abraham and that through Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. There's a sense where God... Uh, Maybe say this with me. There's two words. Particularity. Can you say that? Particularity and universality. Universality. Okay, thank you. Thank you for 
participating in that. <laughs> but God chooses Abraham, a particular person, but he does it for the purpose of through him blessing all the nations of the earth. Through Abraham comes a particular nation who will be a, a light to the nations. It says this in Isaiah 49, verse 6. It's, it says, It's actually too small of a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And so from Abraham to the people of Israel to a particular person in David and through his line, the coming of Jesus. And so it is a particular faith, but it's through Jesus then as he sends out his disciples, he says, go therefore and make disciples of what? All nations. He sends them out to all nations. So there's this sense of particularity. There are particular places where God's mercy in this, in this picture is, but that God's particularity is always towards universality, that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And I think it's a good picture for us who are chosen, and, to, and as we gather here each week, is that um, we are actually meant to be scattered into the world in various places. So in our school programs, workplaces, homes, and in the arts, in the, uh, in the music community, and in sports, whatever it is that God has led us to participate in or where we're to live or to work, that each of those places is meant to be a God scattering, an intentional scattering for the blessing of the nations, for the blessing of others. So it's cool that we gather, but God's gathering was always for the purpose of scattering. It's a, it's a choosing of us as his people so that we could be a blessing to the nations. And, that, and I think that's what it, part of what it means then to provide a safe place, just as those cities were scattered to different places so others could find safety and refuge and mercy, so it is for us. And so I want to read, uh, continue to read in Joshua, chapter, verses 4 and 5. It says this, When he flees to one of these cities, he's to stand in the entrance of the city gate and state his case before the elders of that city. Then they are to admit him into their city, Give him a place to live with them. And if the avenger of blood pursues him, they must not surrender the one accused until he has stood trial before the assembly. From this passage, I think I see uh, three things that I think would help us to understand what does it mean to provide a safe place, to provide uh, refuge to others. And in this uh, first part of the verse, it says, when he flees to one of these cities, he's to stand at the entrance of the city gate and state his case before the elders of that city. When I was uh, a young adult, I had the privilege of growing up in the church, uh, but I rebelled in my late teens and my early 20s. And when I came back to Christ, to a crisis in my life, a health crisis, um, one of the, I just remember going back to church and and after church, as we often do here, we'll, we'll be out in the lobby in the church that I grew up in. We would go downstairs for a cup of coffee. And uh, I remember distinctly um, a conversation with an older member of the congregation. And it kind of went like this. It's, hey, how's it going? Well, pretty good. Busy. How about you? Well, it's busy. Yeah, well, that's good. And it kind of, after a few other nothings, we went our ways and had another nothing conversation with somebody else over coffee. <laughs> and I remember 
sensing after that just something wrong in my spirit about this 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 place where we can where we come we worship God uh, the song one of the songs that we sang this morning is that bef- before you all our all our hearts are open I'm sorry I can't remember the exact words it's in that Redmond song but um, to you our hearts are open nothing here is hidden and so we come before the living God and we say that and then uh, how's it going well good how about you yeah, busy. Well, busy is good. Yeah, how about you? You know, these kind of conversations. And I think the first thing that we want to be aware of is that if we are to actually provide a safe place for others, uh, we want to have a conver- the ability to have a conversation that goes more beyond that kind of t- coffee talk. And I, hey, I get it. Sometimes small talk is all that you can muster. <laughs> you know, just the fact that you're here and you're interacting with people, that's a win. Okay, that's there's there's days like that, right? That's that's fine, and there's going to be times where icebreakers are good, but, but I know from personal experience, and I know from the privilege of walking with others, that each of us desires to be able to be uh, fully known and to give space for others to actually be known as well. And, um, and we're not always necessarily good at that as a church. I um, had a chat with, a, you know, we are building new relationships, and then I was chatting with one individual uh, a week or so ago, and uh, and he just shared about a time where he was verbalizing some of the stuff that he was um, thinking with a friend. So it was a Christian friend that had they had walked together for a long time. They would actually meet every month, uh, go out for lunch, and then go for a walk and just share what was going on in each other's life. And he had just some questions going through his mind about. Um, faith and evolution and the development of the human brain and he was just talking out loud with his friend and his and his friend actually just took immediate offense and maybe it wasn't even just offense it was just fear but whatever it was his friend actually stopped the conversation and he's never been in touch with them since now i don't think that's the culture of jericho road i think we uh, whether we want it or not, we <laughs> we are pushed here in many ways to 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 move into vulnerability, into into sharing, and uh, maybe pushed is not quite the word. Maybe we're strongly invited. <laughs> but but I I want to say that you know in many ways that is a that is a blessing because it's growing us up. One of the things uh, I don't think I'll spend much time on this, but. They actually come to the elders at the city gate. They come to the people of maturity. And I think there's a sense where we are strongly invited or gently pushed towards vulnerability and sharing with one another because it's, a, it's part of maturing. And as we mature, we're going to be able to receive the people at the city gate just as the elders did. We're going to be able to um, offer a place of safety and vulnerability for them to share. Does that make sense? And so I think the, f- the very first place to start in terms of creating safe environments for men and women to talk about their struggles is, is to listen. So I say an amen to your word, Cheryl. I say an amen to your word. I think that's part of what God's, God's saying to us, not just to yourself. I think in following up on that too is that um, the second part is, is welcome. And so if we can switch, the, switch slides, yeah. So then they are to, the people of the city are to admit him into their city and give him a place to live with them. I think there's a sense of where they welcome the stranger into their lives. 
for as long as was necessary. And I think there's a real practical wisdom and there's a, a relational aspect to this. And as Megan and I um, prepared to, to move to Nanaimo, one of the things that we actually had to repent of was our lack of engagement with our neighbors. Uh, um, we kind of laughed and no, we didn't cry. <laughs> but uh, but we, were, we actually were really impacted with the sense of we had, when we first moved in, some of you will know um, Brock and Margaret Clairds. They were the previous owners of our home. They were a part of this church that, and they moved to Nanaimo and we bought their home. And, and at the time that we moved in, they actually hosted a barbecue so that we could get to know our neighbors. And, and, uh, and so that was great. We had a, a nice meal and, and such and got to know them. And then for the next seven years, we had kind of the chat across the fence or putting out the garbage kind of chats and stuff like that. But it wasn't until year seven, the year that we were moving, that we actually had everybody over for dinner again. And, you know, I th- I th- there's nothing wrong with Christian community. God desires and he wants us to pull together and to connect. And uh, But we found that we had gotten so involved in the church and in leadership and in the relationships in the church, which were very good and very good for us. I, I don't want to take anything away from that, but I think there was a part for us, too, where we had to admit that we had dropped the ball, that we had not actually gotten to know our neighbors, and we hadn't followed this example of inviting others to come into our lives. Because meals are a beautiful, beautiful way of, of welcoming and getting to know one another. I think it just expands the conversation exponentially way more than, than when you're just chatting, when you're putting out the garbage or chatting over the fence as you, you're both maintaining your yard. It's just, a, it's just another level. And so I think part of welcoming, as, as they've welcomed these people into the city, welcoming people into a safe place involves uh, this opportunity to invite people over for coffee, dessert, or a meal and just share with one another, and then as you get to know one another, um, to expand the conversation in a vulnerable way. And I think in terms of um, God, what God desires for us in terms of maturity and growth, and, um, and for us to grow as, as leaders is um, implied in leadership is to go first. And I think for people to have a safe place to share vulnerably, I think in many ways we have to be willing to go first. And I shared a little bit of this at, with the, the guys at the um, men's retreat this spring, which was really a blessing to me. It was a, it was a very good time. And, and I, I shared with them that uh, when we were in our transition, there was a friend in Nanaimo who had just invited me over for a meal. And, and we're just eating, and I wasn't expecting uh, this to come. But then he just began to share uh, just some of his own struggles in terms of sexual purity, and particularly meaning uh, with pornography. And uh, and he was just super generous in just saying, hey, here's what's going on in my life. And and I'm thinking two things at the same time. Well, maybe three. I'm thinking, thank you so much for being so vulnerable. I'm thinking, crap, now I have to go to you. <laughs> but, but, but I didn't feel it in a, in a scared way. Or maybe maybe I was a little bit fearful, but I, I knew it was actually an invitation, and that's the way that I've always viewed that particular conversation from years ago, is that my friend actually, in his vulnerability, opened a door for me to be able to walk through and to be able to share my own, my own struggles in that area at different times in my life and to 
find freedom, and particularly freedom from the shame of holding that in and keeping it down. I think so many of us walking in shame with things that have been in the past that if somebody had just opened a door in such a way that we could walk through and share, we would have had freedom a long time before. So when I think of this, this idea of welcome, I think of those two things, that opening our lives in such a way that people can actually get to know us more than just a conversation over the fence, over coffee. But then as that relationship and those conversations develop, that we would be vulnerable with one another in such a way that we open a door for them to find a safe place, a place of refuge, to find the mercy that God wants to offer them. And then I just want to finish with this last, uh, this last word, protect. It says that if the avenger of blood pursues him, they must not surrender the one accused until he has stood trial before the assembly. So this avenger of blood, Michael, in, in the, my little scenario, um, if they came to the, the gate looking for me, looking for the person who had unintentionally killed their relative, they would basically just be, just give them up to me. Uh, you know, I want to get them. I want to take them out. And I know in our culture, we don't have an experience of that um, in, the, in the natural. But, I, but we all know, I think, or maybe if you're new here today, maybe it's, you're not aware of this, but the Bible talks about, um, maybe not just the avenger of blood, but he does talk about the devil. The Bible tells us that the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion and he's looking for somebody to devour. Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and life to the full. But he talks about the devil. He says he's only got one purpose. He's come to steal, kill, and to destroy. And so there may not be a natural, physical avenger of blood after us, but there is somebody who wants to ruin each of our lives, and it's very real. And I think what God would say to us is, just as the people in, in, the, in the cities of refuge would not give up the individual uh, to them just because they said they wanted it, they, there would be an appropriate um, hearing, as it were, so that the person could prove their innocence if that was the case. That God would say, um, let's not give up too easily on the people that we are walking with. Sometimes in some contexts, I don't, again, I don't think necessarily in this, in this uh, church, but I think um, you know, somebody makes a wrong or poor decision and we set them straight with maybe a few Bible verses or a good Christian principle, and then we kind of leave it to them. It's like, well, I spoke the gospel to them, they just need to respond. Or you know, if they really believe, they'll, they'll make a change. And we kind of put the onus on them. And I think what I would encourage us to do is to not just uh, kind of speak a word and then just step back, but to s- speak a word and actually live into the word. I'm sorry, I forget who said this today. I think it was during the testimony, but we get to not just walk, talk the talk, but we get to walk the walk. And I, and I believe that's part of this idea of protection is that the, the mercy of God is scattered about for each one of us. It's not meant to be far from each one of us. And I think we actually are the people that have the opportunity to, to bring that mercy close. Jesus does that with Thomas. Thomas has doubts about Jesus' resurrection. And what does Jesus do? Jesus comes into his presence. He doesn't actually stand away. Oh, you're a doubter. Sorry, I don't have any time for you. You know, when you're ready to believe, then I'll come and show myself. 
And he comes to Thomas and he says, go ahead, put your hands in, into, my, into my hands and put your hand into my side where it was pierced and believe. Or he comes to Peter when, when Peter has started to go back to his fishing job and he invites him in for breakfast, actually, and asks him a series of challenging questions to enable him to be free of his shame and to redeclare his love for God. He actually goes to where he is at and then invites him in for a meal, interestingly, and gives him that opportunity. And so I would encourage us that when our friends are struggling and when they have questions and doubts that, uh, and I get this, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot in our culture that is uh, not pro-Christian and there's a lot of questions out there right now that are very difficult to wrestle through. Um, I guess I would say, um, even if we don't have the answers, because I think sometimes we, we want to stay away because we don't have an immediate answer or, or the right answer, or the be- you know, I'm not sure if this is the right way to go, that because we don't have a, an immediate answer, then we'll just pull back because then I, then I don't have to risk anything. But I would encourage us rather than walking away, let's step into it and try to figure it out together. And then I just maybe wrap up with this thought. When the when the Bible talks about refuge, it talks about these cities of refuge, but ultimately it points to God as our refuge. As we read this morning in Psalm 46, it says that God is our refuge. Well, we didn't read Psalm 46, did we? That's funny. Did we? Okay, thank you. It was, yeah, 46, 1 to 7, right? <laughs> yeah, that was, that, that was the text I gave to Charlotte. Yeah, I'm, I was aware of that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And in Psalm 144, it says this. It says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield, and the one in whom I take refuge. And God will always be there for us. But I just want to share that, you know, he wasn't there with just a word. We celebrated Christmas, and, and one of the names for, for Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And when John, the gospel writer, talks about Jesus' coming in John 1, verse 14, he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And I think that God's desire is that as the Father had sent him, so he is sending us that that we are scattered into the various places that we live and work and go to school and all those different things for the purpose of being, as Jesus was, a conduit of God's love, his grace, and his mercy to us. Not just to those who are good, not those of us who merely sin unintentionally, but to those of us who have done things intentionally, that God's grace is towards each one of us, and he sends us out to share that the same. And, and I think, you know, we were uh, singing and, and speaking of uh, the presence of God, and, and I just wrote myself a note as we were worshiping, is that for those of us who have received and are aware of the presence of God, that God's call then is for us to be present to others. I think as we receive the presence it enables us to be present to others in such a way um, that we can be, Jesus at one point says, you know, freely we have received, freely give. When we are aware of and, and receive his presence 
his mercy, his grace, we are then able to then be present to others as an extension and a giver of grace and of mercy. And so may we be that safe place where others know they will be listened to, uh, welcomed, and protected. I know here I think we, we celebrate communion a couple times a month. And in Nanaimo, what a, our practice is to, to share communion weekly. And, and we do that partially as a means of practicing what does it mean to, to create and to live into a safe place, a place of refuge. Um, because uh, we confess to one another the ways that, that we might fall short of God's intention and of his law. Uh, and we're maybe welcome to the place of grace and mercy and we're able to declare the forgiveness of God and the, and the resurrection hope that, that we have in him. To be reminded again that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And, uh, and maybe for some this will be uh, a first opportunity to confess this way maybe just as a church person, or maybe even this is the first time that you're here and you're maybe learning about the mercy and the love of God. And I would just encourage you to, to join us in communion. As a, if, if you sense in your heart that you desire to receive that mercy and grace of God, that, that his table is open to you as it is to all of us um, to receive from him. And that also then, as, as Tish and... Um, Jan mentioned there will be people at the back to my left uh, willing to pray for you. And um, and so this is something that uh, I know for some of us that have been a part of this church for a very long time, that have done 20 years ago. Um, but I'm going to invite you to stand, and if you desire to um, participate in this with me, um, we'll just have a time of confession and then just the receiving of forgiveness and the declaration of God's love towards us. So I invite you to stand as we prepare for communion. So it's, uh, these first two slides we'll say together. So Father God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole selves. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Forgive us for failing you for falling short. Now when we confess our sins, we do so in the knowledge that God gives grace to the humble and is faithful to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from everything that isn't right. And so together we're able to then give thanks by saying together, Thank you, loving Father, for giving yourself to the world in Jesus who revealed you in the powerful and miraculous, in weakness and the familiar, on a cross and in bread and wine. Thank you for forgiving our sin, raising us from death to life, empowering us to see with your eyes, hear with your heart, and to serve as your ambassadors, bringing justice, peace, and rest to all. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, we, um, we thank you for this picture of the cities of refuge that you granted to your people as they came into the promised land. And, and I know, Father, that you are leading us into new uh, places in you, that you are leading us to new life in you. Um, 
And uh, that a part of that is going to be just the intentionality of creating safe places for others to find refuge, to, to find a place where they too can confess that which um, is less than what you have intended for us and uh, confess where we have fallen short in, in your law and in our relationships with one another and finding mercy invited to come into the life of God the Father and Son and Holy Spirit having come into that life, uh, knowing mercy and grace and love in a new way. And so I pray, Father, that just as you have called us in our particular place in Nanaimo, in my various different works, and in our neighborhood in which we live, Father, I pray for each one who is here this morning that they would see themselves as ambassadors of the kingdom of Jesus and that they would know themselves to be uh, loved and forgiven in such a way that they would be able to um, extend that mercy and grace to others. Father, I pray too, uh, there's a word at the beginning of the book of Joshua where God is telling him to, that he's going to lead the people into the promised land and he says to, to Joshua, he says, be strong and courageous. And I just pray courage over this body this morning, Father. Because it's going to take courage to create places of safety. It's going to take courage to be vulnerable in such a way that others might be able to be vulnerable with us. And in doing so, finding freedom and the lifting of shame. And so I just pray, Father, that courage, courage for each one here to step out in a new way because of the love and the mercy and the grace that they have received in Christ. And I pray this in your son's name. Amen.